gathering as we call them. Father, I thank you that we can come here, we can worship you, we can praise you. We can lift your name up together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be amongst us. In fact, we invite you to be the center of our attention over this next period of time. And so we take a moment, Lord, just to put the things of the week, the things that have been consuming our minds, whether they're good or bad, just to push them to one side and to turn our attention to you. We declare tonight that you are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of any offering we can bring to you. And we look forward to celebrating your goodness together. So again, Holy Spirit, I ask, or we ask, that you would inhabit every part of our gathering tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to have you here tonight. We're in for a really good night. And... um, I've got a run sheet here that tells me everything that's happening, but I just changed it all, so hopefully we won't forget anything. But along the way, we've got Dr. Ray Andrews with us this weekend, which is fantastic. <laughs> Pastor Andrew Rowton and Kevin have come all the way from Raglan just to hear, which is awesome. That's good. We've got a couple of people getting baptised tonight. Hannah and Kathan. It's going to happen later on. That'll be fantastic. And in between, we're going to celebrate God and be really encouraged. So that'll be good. Well, if you're visiting with us tonight, it is really great to have you with us. And as you leave at the end of the the meeting, if you go just to the right outside the auditorium doors, you'll find some tables and someone will be there, hopefully. And uh, there's some white bags on there. They're, they're packs that you're most welcome to take. They've got a bit of information about the church. Uh, there'll be some chocolate or lollipops or something in there. You're most welcome to them. Free coffee, but you have to come back next week for that. But that, that's good. That's, that's how we work. So it'll be really, really good if you could do that. Church, can we give our guests a welcome tonight, please? anyone had a birthday this last week? No, not one. Not a single one. I, I can see one, but she's hiding. What about wedding anniversaries? Look at that. Oh, Phil, you had a birthday, eh? Weeks ago. He was preaching, that's true. You know, he got a chocolate last week. He just scammed you. But it's all right, Kathy's having it, don't worry. No birthdays, no anniversaries. Wow. That's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't happen very often. Well, there's only one thing I need to tell you about for this week. That is on Tuesday night from 7 to 9 a.m. In this room, we have a worship night. It'll be great to see you here. Why don't you come out? If you've got a life group on that night, why don't you bring everybody to the worship night? would be really good. So that's 7 to 9 p.m. Tuesday night in this room. would be great to see you. Righto, team, take it away. Thanks. Hey, guys. Hey. So we're going to get into some praise right now. Come up the front, come dance, including this side. That would be great.
So sing along if you know it, otherwise there's some good lyrics.
Romans chapter 6 says this. It says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin. Sin literally means missing the mark, not getting it quite right, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Then the first words of the next verse are, thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery of sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. I think this is a great thought. We're a slave to whatever we choose to obey. Can I ask you who you choose to obey tonight? Because that's who we're a slave to. Who we choose to obey. Father, I pray tonight as our time goes on that the words of Scripture will take root in our hearts and those thoughts will percolate in our mind of being a slave to what or who we obey. And Holy Spirit, tonight I'm asking that you would reveal yourself to every person in this room. At some point, something would spark a revelation of God that would bring clarity to who it is that we're obeying tonight. Father, if there's a correction that needs to be made, I ask that you would lead us down that path so gently, yet firmly. In Jesus' name. We want our lives to glorify you. We want our existence to bring honor and glory to you. We want to obey you. We want to walk in obedience to you. So I ask you to stir us tonight in Jesus' name. Well, it's a fantastic privilege tonight to have Dr. Ray Andrews with us. And uh, Dr. Ray's been with us this morning. He's going to be with us tonight and doing some stuff with different staff members throughout the week, different ones. He gives us a warrant fitness test. I like that. Like you take your car in for a warrant to make sure it's roadworthy. He's taking us in for a warrant to make sure we're life-worthy and uh, we're not going to fall apart in the next hurdle. So it's a good thing to have him here. And Dr. Ray, we're thrilled to have you with us tonight, and thank you for making yourself available. You have a very busy schedule, but we're pleased you're here. Why don't you come? Preach the Word of God. Yeah, give him a big hand as he comes, please. Okay, can we do the uh, can do we can we do the light thing? You know the light dropping the lights and is anybody here? Over there. I uh, I like to see the people, and you need I need to see you more than you need to see me. Amen. 
We had a great morning. Did we have a great morning or what? Did we have a, oh, it was a fantastic morning. And I don't know about everybody else, but the one thing I am assured of, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> Amen. If nobody else likes my preaching, I enjoy it. <laughs> Amen. But I do like to do it to people rather than in the mirror. So I'm just thrilled to be here tonight. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really excited. I'm so glad to see, um, to see Margaret here. I can't believe that, that she has come out tonight again. That woman is improving by the moment. Amen. Yes. She comes out with the place half full of young people. And she's still here. Thank you, Margaret, for coming out. Amen. You see that step just gives you more energy. Amen. I, I am just thrilled tonight to see uh, such a number of young people that are here. Uh, probably when you're watching me, uh, you, you think, well, boy, there's a guy, he's pretty well over the hill. <laughs> Believe this or not, I was once like you. <laughs> Amen. Not only that, but I'll guarantee I have as much energy now as you do. I only look older when I'm looking in the mirror. I am not old. I am only getting older. Amen. But the one thing about getting older is that I can tell you some things that you don't know. You might not like them. I've got kids. They don't always listen to me. Didn't marry the people I wanted them to marry. Kids never do. That's a problem. I get them lined up and think this would just be perfect for them and this would be the greatest thing for them and they go off and marry somebody else. And, and so they don't always do uh, what we would like them to do. That's true. But they need to be free to do what they want, yes? I know I made my choices. My parents had no say in it because I left home and traveled 12,000 miles and uh, nobody was there to make the decision for me. And uh, uh, so I did. I, I married my wife when she was 17. Yes. Not at all, sir. <laughs> my colleague that traveled with me, he said to me, he said, Ray, he said, that is disgusting. <laughs> he said, that was not a marriage, it was an adoption. <laughs> but you have to get them young so you can train them. <laughs> if you... <clears throat> Because women grow faster and become much more mature, quick, mature quicker than men do. Therefore, you have to get them young enough before they mature to knowing more than you do. <laughs> or you're in trouble. Amen. If you need any advice about that, talk to me later. I will help you through that. It, that's good. Well, it's all right, mind you, because this year, you know, we had people tell us that it was no good, it would never work, it would never work, it would never work. People told us all of that, and this year, uh, we will be married 48 years. Amen. I was going to better picture up for you, but, because she's still a bit of all right. And, and now, because we've been so long together, uh, you, there's no good in changing her now. Because 
We have learned to live together, work together, go through so many things together, and it's, and, and it's an amazing thing because now she can do a whole lot of things that I know now I can't do, and she's so good at that, and how we learn to complement each other. But do you know something, as young people tonight, I, and I want to direct something, so probably maybe some of the older people, I'll be talking to everybody, but maybe some of the things I want to direct to the younger people, um, and, and I, uh, because what I said, if, if you weren't here this morning, I really want to encourage you, there was a fantastic speaker this morning, <laughs> and there is a great, great uh, MP3 or CD, whatever, and I would really like you to get it because we were talking about, and I'm going to kind of go on a little from that, uh, but we were talking about some things about abiding in Christ. And what does that look like? And then I want to convert that into some things tonight that I want to tell you some stories. Who likes stories? Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you some little stories. Now, one I'm, going to, I'm just going to read something that came to my mind while I was uh, uh, while I was standing there before I start. And James says in chapter 4, he says, when you want your own way and you want to do your own thing, you're more like a spoiled child by wanting your own way. And all you're doing then would be cheating on God. If all you want is your own way and flirt with the world every chance you can get, you end up enemies of God in His way. And do you suppose that God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He is fiercely a jealous lover. And what He gives in love is far better than you could find anywhere else. Let me dropping into your heart tonight is what you can find in His love, you will never find anywhere else. Amen. Amen. You were talking tonight about, oh, that's a beautiful song, isn't it? I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. People hold on to fears. And do you know, here's an incredible thing, 98% of the fears we were not born with, we invited them in. And another incredible thing is that fear releases 1,400 physical and emotional, chemical, electrical impulses that damage the brain. No wonder the Bible talks about being free from fear. And, and people hold on to fears. There's all kinds of fears. Younger people have different fears than older people. We have young people who are fearing even about life today. In our country, on us, in Australia, we, we have something like 10 teenagers who commit suicide a week. Why in a country like Australia would they do that? Because they're looking for something that they will never find because we live in a chaotic world. There is a state or a sense of hopelessness, and here's one of the most wonderful things tonight. In the world, there is hope, and there is hopelessness. But where there is a God of hope, there is no hopelessness. Amen. We are not hopeless or directionless <clears throat> because we have a God. And tonight, if you know Jesus is your Savior, because I was only about your age, a lot of you, as I mentioned this morning, on my way to a soccer match, not thinking at all about God, not looking for God, not wanting God, grew up in an abusive home, beaten up unmercifully by my father, 
and I'm on my way to a soccer match. I'm not interested at all in, in looking after the things of God. I was just hard. I was bitter. I was murderous. I wanted to kill him. And because of the abuse that he did in my life, and I wanted to kill him, I was only interested in three things when I was your age. One, playing soccer. I've since found out that that's the game they play in heaven. <laughs> I love motorbikes, riding all kinds of motorbikes, working on motorbikes, doing things with motorbikes. And the third thing that I really, really did like was girls. <laughs> they are God's most beautiful creation. Yes. Leave her alone, please. Are you engaged? I don't care, it's fine. <laughs> My message is taking him off in the wrong direction. Congratulations. <laughs> Amen. You're just starting the journey. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. It's okay, I survived. And I'm on my way to a soccer match, and I wasn't thinking about God. I was only interested in fulfilling myself, thinking that probably I could get out of this terrible situation that I was in, this lifestyle that I was in, and that I could get out and get some fulfillment and some satisfaction. And I was not a nice young guy, and I was fairly wild, and I did a lot of things that was not good. And, and so because of it, I was just on my way in a wrong direction, because I didn't know that I could be met and filled in all the things that God could do. And on my way to a soccer match, the Holy Spirit arrested me. If you don't know Jesus tonight and you're in this meeting and you don't know Jesus, I'm praying the Holy Spirit arrests you in this meeting. And the Holy Spirit intercepts your life in this meeting and that you find Christ. Because you know something, you can see me talking to you tonight and you think it's all right, he's been a fairly old guy and he, he, he better get saved before he knocks it off. But you know something? I came to Christ as a teenager, and I want you to absolutely know this, that you can find in Him love that you'll never find anywhere else. You find fulfillment. You will find satisfaction. You will find in Him everything that you need because now none but Christ can satisfy. I searched for Him and knew not what I searched for. I longed for Him and knew not what I longed for. Then I found Jesus, and I knew that I would search no more. He filled the longing that's deep in my soul. Hallelujah. Do you see my energy? <laughs> Amen. I have young people wanting to take me on. They're wasting their time. <laughs> when you lose your natural energy, you go for the energy of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I haven't started to preach yet. This is just a little beginning thing. Yes? But it takes into what we're going to say. I just want you to know tonight that you're going to have the challenges we want to let go. We don't have to. It's so good not to live with fear. I've been in some of the worst countries in the world. I have been in war-torn zones. I have thought that maybe I'll never come back. I could tell you stories tonight about things that has happened to me. And you know what? No one time, no one time have I ever been afraid. You know why? Because 98% of the fears, as I mentioned, are invited in 
Therefore, I refuse to invite in fear. We don't have to live fear, fear. Am I going to get married? <laughs> well, you're in the way. Am I going to have a boyfriend? What's life going to be like? Am I going to make college? Am I going to be smart enough? You know, the secret fears in my counseling, in my counseling as, as a psychologist, I spend time so much, and do you know that fear is such a, mini, a money spinner in our profession? I can even make people afraid of their fear. People make it fear, and with their fear comes their phobias. And there's so many people bound up with phobias and bound up with fear, and this is a world of fear, and it's increasing in fear as far as the world's concerned. And what an incredible joy and privilege and pleasure tonight to be free from fear. Not to be dictated to by fear. It's all going to work out okay. Everything is going to be okay. God is in charge, God is in control, and God's got the final say. People are afraid of what's going to happen, what's going to happen to my grandkids, what's going to happen in the economy, what's going to happen with my work, what's going to happen in college, what's going to happen. And people are living their life crippling by fear. But I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. You are a child of God. Let me just say to you tonight, if you're holding on to any fear, this is the meeting to let it go. Let go of the fear. Faith is not the opposite of fear. Love is. The Bible says, for love's got the full run of your house, there is no room for fear. Amen. Father, that there would be such a revelation of God's love into our lives. There'd be such a revelation deep down that God loves me. And whatever comes my way, God loves me, he cares for me, and he has got the plan. Amen. And you know what? I am so glad I found Jesus as a teenager. And tonight, you found teenager, you're going to have some challenges. And I'm going to just talk maybe one or two about the challenges, but more about the direction into which we want to look at and where we want to go. Because there's an incredible privilege for you. I want you to really get hold of one of the greatest privileges that we have as the children of God, and that we don't have to go through struggling through teenage years. There are so many young people today, and, and I, I'll tell you, in my generation, with all that I came through as a teenager, with all the abuse that I had, I can never remember ever saying I'm stressed out. Yet I listen to so many teacher, uh, teenagers today, and they're saying, but I'm stressed out. I'm just so stressed out. I'm stressed out. Let me tell you something. Stress, pr stress produces toxins into your head that stops you reaching your potential, that stops you reaching your greatest creativity, and it actually paralyzes everything that you want to do. Do not allow yourself to be stressed out. You have to let stress go. And when you have a God who cares, when you have a God who loves you, when you have a God who's in charge, when you have a God, because you know what? Your home is in heaven. We are not citizens of this country. I've got two passports, a British passport and an Australian passport. And I'm a citizen of neither. I hold the passports, but I'm a citizen of heaven. My home is in heaven. Whatever happens, there's where I go. Amen. A home 
in heaven, eternal in the heavens. Amen. There's a holy and beautiful city whose builder and maker is God. John saw it descending from heaven when Patmos in exile he trod. Its high massive walls are of jasper. The city itself is pure gold. And when this frail tent here is folded, I then shall that glory behold. Ooh, Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. See, we got a city. Amen. And they can bomb and there can be earthquakes and there can be all sorts of things going on. But our security and our stability is not in this place because we've got a city whose builder and maker is God. Yes? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Let's get the... the, the is, is, are we doing this from here? We're not doing it from this screen? No? Okay, brother. I just surrender through the glass and the microphones. I started trying to fix my problems myself, but then I heard God say, stay out of my business. Do you see that all right? <laughs> Are there any people here tonight, you have tried to fix your own issues? You try to fix your own problems? Well, stay out of God's business. Amen that I am just allowing God to do it because you know why? There'll be people here more than others. There are people here who are Mr. and Miss Fix-It. And I like to fix it, and I want to work the problem, and I think I'll solve the problem. All I do is stress. All I do is feel bad about it and carry the burden of it, and I worry about it. But I don't need to because it's God's business. He can fix it. God can fix it fix it. Amen. Why I am an authority to teenagers is because I grew up as a teenager in Christ. And let me tell you this, I never, ever, ever regret a day of giving my life to Christ. Oh, well, he came and got hold of me. And I said, yes, the thing is, God said he's loving me and he wanted me. Do you know tonight for you to be in this meeting, and you're a believer and you're a young person and you know Christ, you know, the greatest privilege of all is that God picked you out of all the people in the world. And here you are tonight, and you're in this meeting, and this is the most wonderful place you could ever be. There's not another thing outside of here that you'd be better in than being in God and being a child of God. Nothing. There is absolutely nothing. You can take it from me. I've been on a long journey, and I started where you are. I would never go back. And I, you know what? I would never change a single day of my teenage years. I found Jesus completely and totally and absolutely satisfies. One of the most important things is letting God fix it. You have a God. There is a God and you're not him. Let God fix it. Take it to God and let God fix it. Don't struggle with it. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. Are there any people here who worry? Do you know that we normally can worry so easy? It's a part of the human nature to worry. We will worry so easy Worry is not a good thing because worry is about being occupied or preoccupied by something other than the present. And with it comes a sense of impending danger. But I can cast all of my cares, all of my cares, all of my cares on him. Because why? Because he cares for me. I have a heavenly father who cares for me. He cares for every part of my life as I surrender to him, as I give it to him, and as I listen to him. Let me just... Uh, uh, go to the verse of Scripture that I want to read to you now. 
This is the general struggle that we're going to have. And tonight, probably, I'm titling this, Taking Counsel from Your Soul. Now, there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about this, but what I want to do is, in the help of the Holy Spirit, that you would get a hold of some of the principles, because all of us in this meeting tonight, including me, all of us in this meeting tonight, there's a real challenge in life about taking counsel from your soul. There is always the soul. David says, should I take counsel in my soul? How long, he said, how long am I going to take it? Do you know tonight, because of us in our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, we so easily can take counsel from our soul. We write ourselves pretty intelligent. We think that we know. I I know how to do this, or I know how to do something else. I know how to get a plan. Do you know one time, I remember coming out of my house, and uh, many years ago I came out, and I was going to my car because I was going to do something that I wanted to do. I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I can take care of it, and I was on my way, and as I was going to the car, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit says to me, don't do it, and don't go. Now, if he had been as clear as that with you, you probably would have said, oh, amen. But not me. Because I go ahead and get in my car, and I hop into the car, and here's what I said in the insolence of what I knew from my mind in looking at all of this. I said, no, no, I can handle it. I know how to handle it. You know something, I'll tell you tonight, if God tells you something, for goodness sake, do it. I said, I can handle it. And I hop in the car, start the car, and as I'm backing out the driveway, God said, it's okay. I wish lots of times that God would have stopped me doing things. Why did he let me? We talked about that this morning in choice. And as I'm driving out, God said, but it'll cost you but it's going to cost you. You know, I wish that I had to believe what he said because I went on stubbornly thinking that I knew best. I have at least an intellect. I can work out how it comes together. I can be in control of this situation. I can work this situation out. And on I go. Let me make this clear to you tonight. God's always right. And it cost me. It really cost me. If only I had listened to God. If only I had listened to his voice. One of the most important things for us, we we go through life, we, we get educated, and we think we know, and we believe that we know, and we profess to we know. And you know the thing is about knowing, one of the killers about knowing is we judge other people because they don't do what we think they should do. We criticize somebody else because we think that we're better than them. One of the biggest problems about the intellect is it brings about the proof that we're back in the garden eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The only way that I can judge somebody is because I know. 
and I propose to know, but the only way that I propose to know is because I'm eating from that cursed tree, and I think that I know because I've got knowledge, and out of my knowledge, I judge others. Out of my knowledge, I criticize others. Out of my knowledge, and I do something from knowledge, and it's not what God wants, it's not what God says, but because I'm really smart, but really, my knowledge comes from eating from that cursed tree. Back in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think now that I know. You know it's so easy to rise up, and we talked about pride this morning. It's so easy to rise up and think, I know. I know the way to go. I know best. I don't want to listen to my parents. I don't want to listen to the pastor. I don't want to listen to any. And in fact, I don't even want to listen to God. I want to do it because you know why I know. I know. How well do I know? One of the greatest privileges that there is tonight and what I'm going to share with you is that I am begging you in the, in, in, in the Lord to show you that God can make a difference if only we would stop moving out into the soul. And since the soul is exposed to the world, my soul is the first thing that connects with the outside world, connects with the environment, connects with the newspaper, connects with the news, connects with everything that's going around me, connects to my mates, connects to the things that's happening around me. My soul, my mind, will, and emotions is what connects with them. And, they, and I connect with that before I connect from within. The greatest privilege we have is the protection of something far greater that we're going to look at. And number two, which, which I was just saying, we can go off our mind. Go back. Yeah. Giving the soul life and how it wants to dictate. And more recently in my emotions, that go on. I'm not going to talk about that now. We would all know how very easy it is to take counsel from the soul. This is for everybody tonight. Your soul, my soul, like David's soul, wants to give you counsel. And because we do think that we know what we're doing, and because we're will. So let's go to the next, the next slide. Thank you. Our mind, the thoughts that run through our head, the intelligence, the reasoning, the logic, all the arguments of the mind. My mind is an enemy of God. My mind wants to do its own thing. My mind wants to go in its own direction. That's why the Bible has a lot of talk about the renewing of the mind, changing my mindset, changing the way I think so that I could have the mind of Christ, that I could think God's thoughts, that I could think what God's saying. Do you know tonight that one of the most productive things that you can do for good mental health is to listen to the truth of the Word of God? We will be the most healthy mental people if we took notice of what God says. Why do we refuse that? Why do we refuse that? In our own reasoning, and our own arguments of the mind, we set our minds up, and we think because of that intelligence, and then because we want to will, we think that we can do it, but we don't realize that not only are we spiritually affecting ourselves, but we're affecting ourselves in our mental and emotional health, releasing those toxins that are actually dangerous so that I don't get where I want to be because God has not spoken to me about it. I've done my own thing. Are there anybody here very self-willed? Who likes to do their own thing? One of the things that's really amazing in the world, 
People say, well, I'm not listening because I want to do my own thing. The only problem with that is everybody's doing the same thing. That's just ridiculous. What are you talking about you want to do your own thing? You're just following other people. You're following your peers. You're following your mates. You're following what they say in school and college. They're telling you what to do, but you think you're doing your own thing. But you're not doing your own thing. Our will can be opposed to the will of God. And now the end of that, I'm determined. I've written down there, I'm just so determined in my will. I'm Mr. Frank Sinatra. I do it my way. I want to do it my way. No, tonight, in what I'm saying to you, may not be any strange news to you, apart from helping you to really focus that there's something greater than your mind, intellectual approach to life. There's something much greater than your will, which is so determined because of our soul that wants to do it. And that's why David says, I've been taking counsel from my soul, and it's not working. The counsel from my soul has led me into sin. The counsel from my soul has defeated me. The counsel from my soul has made me moody. The counsel from my soul is making me depressed. The counsel from my soul is creating anxiety. The counsel from my soul, I'm listening to the counsel of my soul, and I don't recognize that it's actually mentally affecting me. And David recognizes it, and he says, how long am I going to do it? Tonight, do you know what I really felt challenged? Do you know when I put this message together? This afternoon. It's hot off the press. And as I was doing it, I started to get really excited in the verse of Scripture that the David says, how long will I do it? We have a soul, and our soul tries to fight against what God's saying and what God wants, and my emotions. Man, some of us here are more are more operating in the mind, more operating from reasoning, more operating from the doubts, which brings more fears. And some of us are really willing, and we have a lot of strong will, and we are strong-willed and self-willed and want to do our own thing. That's what some of our souls are like. And then there's some of us much more who are really controlled by our emotions. And so we go roller-coastering into days, and we allow our emotions to affect our lives. Let me tell you something. If you allow or are dictated to, or you're getting counsel from your emotions, they will take you on a roller coaster ride into which there's no end to. Emotions. How many people here are emotional? Yeah, we all get emotions, but some of us are far more emotional than others. Some of us you tell a story to. Some people go to the movies and they're in the movies and they sit there crying through the movie. It has nothing to do with them. It has to do with somebody else, but they're crying for the people in the movie. People are more emotions. Do you know that emotions are an incredible thing? And what we want to do is we want the soul to dictate to us what we would like. And here's one of the problems. The brain is hardwired to avoid pain. We don't like it difficult. We don't like it hard. We don't want to have to press through. We don't have to have the dedication. We don't have to have the commitment. We don't have to yield to somebody else because you know why? We have a pleasure center of the brain that wants to be continuously fed by dopamine where I have a feel-good society. Feel good. And we live in a feel-good society. We live in a society of self-gratification, of instant pleasure. We have to go seeking pleasure. That's what the world's like right now. Because things are coming apart and things are not working, it's a dreadful thing that we're living in an age in which drugs like ice 
are, are, are coming and destroying families and destroying lives. They just found 27 truck drivers traveling on ice in the Australian roads. On ice. Drugs. You know why? Because the instant kick, the dopamine kick, there's a pleasure center of the brain, and since the brain's hardwired to avoid pain, there's a pleasure center of the brain, and in the pleasure center of the brain, it desires instant pleasure, instant gratification. We don't do well with pain. The moment that we are sick, the moment we have a pain, the moment we have something, we pop a pill. We have to get something. All kinds of drugs, legal or illegal drugs, and there's a place for legal drugs, but all legal and, and, and illegal drugs, they touch the pleasure center of our brain, and it's a feel-good thing. We live so much in a feel-good society. We don't like to deny ourselves. We don't like to take things to the cross. We don't like to wait. We don't like to have realization that we need to wait for something good to happen. Amen that we don't have to live like that. And you know something? Let me tell you this tonight. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, you'll get every dopamine kick you need. In his right hand, there's pleasure. There's pleasure. And the devil, the soul, wants to tell you that it's all out there. But real pleasure is found in him and his presence. Amen. There is where you're going to find it. Do you see that? But you see, we want to live like that and have the soul. You asked yourself that tonight. You challenge yourself. Is my mind trying to counsel me now? Is it my will that's counseling me? Is my emotions counseling me? If they counsel you, they're not doing you a favor. I need to go beyond that, and I need to listen to something greater. Because tonight, as believers, if you're a child of God, you have got, and I've got, one of the most wonderful benefits, and that is that we cannot live by the soul dictating the terms, but that the soul comes under the control of the Holy Spirit, and God can speak to us, and God can tell us what way to go, and God can give us direction. Let me tell you this. When I was up in my old farm loft, wrapped up in blankets, no power, no electricity, only the ice between, uh, on the roof between me. Uh, the, the, there was only uh, uh, slides between me and the ice and the snow on the outside. I pumped up an old lump, and I lay there to two in the morning, just waiting on God, just waiting on God, just waiting on God. Nobody told me to. Nobody told me I had to pray. Nobody told me I need to read the Bible. Nobody told me that I couldn't fornicate. Nobody told me that. All I was in love with Jesus. I just was in love with Jesus. I wanted to be in his presence. I wanted to be filled with his presence. I wanted his presence to captivate me. And you know all the things that I had tried before I got there? They piled away in total insignificance to the pleasure that's found in the presence of the living God. Go for Jesus. Go into Jesus. Push into Jesus. He will give you, if you listen to his voice and take notice of his voice, he wants to speak to us. Your greatest pleasure today is not to listen to the voice of the soul, but to listen to the voice of the Spirit. To take time to tune in to the voice of the Spirit. God wants to speak to us. God wants to tell us things. You know, and some of the most amazing things, how God is. Uh, there's a young man who was in our church, and this young man, uh, he, he, would, uh, he had come to Christ out of a bad lifestyle. And then we would have a preacher come, and this preacher would bring a prophetic word. 
tell him he was going to be used by God. He had a tremendous gifting and everything else. And then as soon as the preacher was gone, next day, he's off out into the world, back into trouble, and I'm out there trying to salvage him. So about a year go past, I get him back on his feet, get him back in again, and about a year gone past, and you could not believe it. Another preacher comes who knows nothing about him, somewhere else from around the world, picks him out of the church and prophesies over him. And he just does another Jonah. He's off. He does that three times. Then one Sunday, in a meeting just like this, we used to have the, the chairs, we used to sit up around the, the back here, and, we were, and I was sitting up there, and the Holy Spirit was just moving in the meeting in a most amazing way, and the Holy Spirit was just, was just moving, and the next thing I hear people walking out for prayer, but I hadn't asked anybody to come for prayer, and I look up, and there's a young woman standing there, and then the next thing I saw, here he is. I said, oh, no, you don't. No, no, no more. You're not coming anymore. I'm sick of it. Every time you get prayer, every time you get a word from God, you do a, you do a Jonah. And I have to pick up all the pieces and go after you. So I go to the girl and I pray for her. God gives me a word for her. And I give her, I, I tell her, and she starts bawling and crying. So she's got to sit down in a seat near the front. She sits down, and then he faces up. And I thought, oh, no, you don't not. I am sick of you going off. I'm sick of you taking a dip. I'm sick of you doing a Jonah. I'm sick of running after you. And my mind has now calculated that this is not going to happen. I am not talking to you anymore. I am not praying for you anymore. And we're no more words. And as I look at him, I am about to tell him because in my mind is I'm just ready to tell him we're not doing this again. Go and be consistent. You go and get yourself established. You go out and do the thing that's right. I'm not going to go after you again on no more prayer. And I couldn't believe it. I put my hand on his head, and I'm going to tell him that this is what I'm saying. And I opened my mouth, and God completely overrid my mind. And you know what God said? Here's when I start talking. After what I was just wanting to say from here, my soul wanting to make decisions and know best, and from my inner being, I opened my mouth, and out comes. You can come again and again and again and again and again. I will never reject you, and I will never turn you away. I said, oh, good on you, Lord. <laughs> Do you know the thing is, I thought that this is the way that it has to be. But that's why it's so vitally important. Because, and you know something? The big thing about that is, in the end, here's the irony of God. In the end, that young man became my son-in-law. <laughs> and it's like God said to me, now you have to live with it. <laughs> we need to be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I am begging you tonight that there's a higher voice than your mind. There's a greater voice than your will. 
There's a greater voice than your emotions that seem to go in a turbulent sea and you have difficulties. But you can hear another voice. You can hear God on the inside. If you take some time and just listen to God outside the emotion, outside what you want to do, outside of anything, your life can be guided and God can take you on a journey that is so fruitful and so positive. You have the blessing of the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's not the preacher that just hears from God. You can hear it. And as a teenager, when I was in my old farm loft, God spoke to me as clear as anything, and I knew that I would be ministering the Word of God. And I was only a teenager and knew nothing about it. He opened up the Scriptures. I had nobody teaching me. I had nobody telling me anything. God just opened up the Word to me. It came alive to me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I one day would be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a long time ago. Yes, you don't have to say amen. <laughs> Where's that clock going, my feet? Can I tell one more story? One, I just, one more story quickly. You see, I, 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 I thought, I just started the afternoon, I thought, oh, I'll only be 15 minutes. <laughs> one more story, I got to finish. Are you all right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 amen. Listen for the voice of God. Amen. Don't let your soul Counsel you. Be counseled by the Lord and his word. Amen? One time, I was, had a plan. And I wanted to do this thing, and I really want to get this plan going. And I knew that I'd have to present it to my wife. And the thing about my wife is, it has to be watertight. Because she can find a hole or a flaw very quickly. And I think... Before I present this plan, I'm going to make sure that I got it watertight. It was okay, so I did. And then I presented to her. My timing wasn't so good because we were doing it one night when there was a lot of people coming, and I couldn't believe it. And now I presented the plan, and I said, what do you think of this plan? Because I'm determined this is going to happen. My soul has counseled me already. I know that it's okay. And now I'm going to do the plan. So I present it. And she says, we're not doing it. But then I, I thought I got me, I saw, carried up my sleeve because she won't find the flow in it. I've done all the figures. I've done everything. I knew it was perfect. I've done a great job. I'm very proud of how I got it together. And so then I said to her, okay, tell me what's wrong with it. Wonderful knowledge. She looks at me and she said, I can't find anything wrong with it. We're just not doing it. Oh, I didn't count on that. So I said, you're not doing it. I said, it's ridiculous. Well, for the sake of time, not to go into too much of this, here's your brilliant counselor. I look at my wife, and we have got the kids coming, and we've got other people coming. She's very hospitable, so people are all coming. I got to go to the store. I got to have a shower. I got to get ready. We're running out of time. And so I looked at her, and I said, listen, I got to go to the store. We got these people coming. I said, now, listen. I'm leaving for the store, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to get happy. If you ever want to ignite a bomb, that's the way to tell somebody. But I didn't stop there, because she was mad, and I looked at her, and I said, get your attitude right. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, not well. But I left, flew down the stairs to the basement because I'm running, and I'm flying down the stairs like mad, and as I fly down the stairs, you couldn't believe who turned up. The Holy Spirit. I've never known anybody to make me more uncomfortable than the comforter. <laughs> he turns up, and I, I, so powerfully it arrested me on the stairs. And as he turns up, he brought a scripture to me and said, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? He said, Jesus did not die to die. He died for the joy that was set before him, and you're that joy. Now, this is your decision. This is your choice. You work it out for yourself. But here is what's going to happen. You can have what you want. And he opened my mind, and I had a vision of the night before it ever happened if I was to get what I wanted. It was the most miserable evening. My wife was still mad, throwing food on the table. You'd cut the atmosphere with a knife. I'm looking at this whole thing. My kids are whispering to each other, boy, it must be something big. <laughs> big thing with dad and mom must be big. I see the whole thing, and then I got it changed. And then the Lord said, now, if you put the cross to this, if you make the choice, if you do that, Here's what the night will look like. And it was the best night, and it was a wonderful night, and we had a great time, and we were telling jokes, and everybody was happy. My wife served a great meal to everybody, and it was a wonderful evening. And God said, now, the Holy Spirit spoke, but my soul did not want to respond to that voice. It wanted to respond to what I wanted in my will. But because it was so powerful, I raced back upstairs, and since God spoke to me so powerfully, I thought he might have spoken to her. So I said to her, honey, can you come here? What do you want? I said, well, you have changed your mind at all. I thought, if God moved me so fast, he could touch her. But there was no touch. <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said, honey, let me tell you what happened to me on the stairs. And I told her on the stairs, and I said, first, I need to apologize for treating you like a child. For telling you to get her happy and get your attitude right. I'm so sorry about that. But the Holy Spirit's voice will override anything I want. I can't afford not to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I need to listen to it because I'm going to go miserable from here on in. I'm not going to enjoy it. And do you know what? I said to her, let's kill the plan. Forget it. Please forgive me. I apologized to her. I said, please forgive me. Do you know what? I went off down the stairs, running again. I had lost, but I had gloriously won. I felt as light as a feather, and I, were, I went down there. I was so excited and so happy. I went to the store. My car was full of joy. The people in the store were full of joy. I wanted to hug everybody in the store. I was over so excited. Let me tell you this. No matter what you get, no matter where you go, no matter what you satisfy, there's nothing satisfies like Jesus. Nothing satisfies like listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He knows best. He's your guide. Don't listen to the counsel of your soul. Listen to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Ray. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, we're going to have a uh, break just for a couple of seconds. I'll invite you to jump up and...
you know, walk around the auditorium a couple of times, whatever, and then we're going to baptise two people. So jump out of your seats very quickly. Take a deep breath. If you want to come down the front and watch what's happening, that would be fantastic.